Hey, listen, I, that is, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, I've got this way. Sorry, sorry. Uh, so look, that's obviously one of my faves. I love that y'all are doing that song today. Again, that's the song we used to start the whole church off. So, like, it has a special place in my heart. Uh, so, anyway, so welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to uh, all of this. Like, this is, uh, this is something I look forward to every single week. Uh, our series is continuing today. We're Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And our coffee talk today comes with Nicole Vita. So really super excited. We, uh, I love to brag that she is our local scientist. She is the one that uh, uh, <laughs> works at St. Jude and does all the cool research on stuff that is really powerful and junk. How about that? Um, so like really super excited that she's here. Uh, a couple things that we've got today that are new. 
First things up, y'all, there was a baby born this week. Uh, so Daniel and Beth had Emma Grace, seven and a half pounds, 20 inches long, 637 on Wednesday. <laughs> so those are the stats that were sent to me. So very excited for them uh, that, that Emma Grace has made it into this wonderful world. And she is absolutely adorable. She is adorable. So if you get a chance, visit our social media, visit her social media. You get to see a picture. And I got one other picture for you, too, that I'd love for you to see. Uh, this is our uh, new wrap on the food trailer. So now the food trailer itself looks like our logo, which I'm super excited about. When I pulled into the church this morning, um, I cannot tell you just how much my heart went pitter-patter uh, to be able to pull up and park next to that trailer. And so uh, that was a big deal for me to be able to see, just to kind of see the vision continuing to move forward, taking leaps and bounds. Uh, so when you come to the church parking lot, uh, there it is, and get a chance to see it. And we're hoping, we're hoping, we think it will work, um, possibly for... Uh, coming up in a few weeks, we'll have another opportunity to, uh, to enjoy some free breakfast. So uh, we'll talk about all that later. So thank you for joining us for worship. Uh, let's get our hearts ready to get going. Uh, and in the process of all that, let's talk about offering for just a moment too. Um, so for the offering time, uh, I can't express to you enough just how thankful I am for your faithfulness. Your faithfulness has been absolutely fantastic. It has allowed us to do some of these leaps and bounds with the food trailer. It's allowed us to be able to get things in order and keep things moving forward. So thank you so much for giving. Continue to please do that uh, as we get moving forward. We've already been through budget season, so to speak. We've already been working on next year's budget. Uh, it looks almost completely identical, uh, and we'll get an opportunity to talk budget over the next few weeks as well. Uh, so thank you for giving. You can do this through a couple, two or three ways. Uh, you can give online at lewisburgwell.org and you can just click on the give button and figure it out from there. It's real super simple. You can text using 84321 uh, and you can just send in the number. Uh, you know, if you want to give $50, you just sit, you type in 50 and it works from there. If it's your first time giving on either the online or the texting, there's a little bit of a setup process. Beyond that first time, it is literally just that simple. It is super easy beyond that time and it remembers all of your things. Uh, and then you can also mail it. Uh, you have 56 Vaughn Lane uh, in Olive Branch, 38654. Uh, and I know I love to pick on Clay, or you can do like Clay does and just drop it off my mailbox. I think that's hilarious, by the way. I, I think it's a fantastic idea. So if you're like, hey, man, I, I'm driving around, and you just drop it off in my house, and we'll, we'll get it all here. All right, so, uh, so thank you for joining us. Let's pray, and let's get worship going. This morning, God, we want to thank you so much for the gift of new life, uh, for Emma Grace and her arrival. God, thank you so much. Uh, for uh, Daniel's heart, for Beth's heart, uh, and what they mean to us, uh, and how excited we are for them to be able to be a part of that process of, of wedding and baptisms uh, and new births. And so, Lord, um, we want to ask that you bless them and, and keep them uh, and keep them literally with all the peace you can give them right now, Lord. Let them feel and know your presence. Uh, help us as a church to be as ever present as we can be to help them move forward in that. Uh, Lord, this morning through the giving, we ask that you, uh, that you help us to be as generous as we can be, not giving back to a church or not even giving back to, uh, you know, to a, some nonprofit organization, so to speak, but literally giving back to you and being grateful for what it is that you have given to us. Lord, prepare our hearts for worship now as we give our lives to you over right now. Saints, we pray in your name. Amen. Thank you all for joining us this morning in worship. We're going to... Raise a hallelujah if that's all right with everybody. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise 
Lord, we just come to you this morning. We lift up our worship to you. Lord, we lift up our praise to you. We pray that it'll that it'll find uh, it'll find something pleasing in your ear. In your name we pray. Amen. Yeah. 
We all love a good preacher joke, right? Um, so uh, I, have, I have seen many. I've heard many. Uh, you know, you get the old, uh, you're long-winded. You know, you get the long-winded. My favorite probably is, uh, you can't land the plane. Have you heard that one? Uh, you don't know how to land the plane, which is basically, a, um, it's, it's, a, it's a metaphor that says you don't know how to end the sermon. Uh, you just keep wandering. It's like being caught in an endless worship loop. And you don't know how to get out of the song. Yeah, can't land the plane. Um, I've had people go, hey, you preached on this before? <laughs> That's all right. I can't. I don't even listen anyway. Like, I'm like, wow. <laughs> um, uh, I've heard the, uh, man, I just got a good nap. That's always a good one. Uh, and, then, uh, and then, of course, there's always the classic, well, where we, we were going to beat the Baptist to lunch. Um, you know, some of those, none of these offend me, by the way. I could not, I could not care less. Joke away. I think it's hilarious. Uh, I use them myself. I use them on myself. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I totally encourage the preacher jokes. Uh, but I will tell you, today is your lucky day. If you like to do preacher jokes, I dare you, go ahead. Let today be the day. <laughs> because today is the Sermon on the Mount. Your preacher's Jesus, and your eternity lies in the balance. Uh, joke on Jesus and see what happens. <laughs> I'm just telling you, go for it. Go for it. Uh, because that's the sermon today, right? The sermon literally comes out of the Sermon of the Mount. My mama used to always tell me, and this is probably very literally, I think this is literal about Jesus, but my mama used to always tell me, boy, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out, right? And so joke on Jesus, I just dare you. <laughs> because Jesus would be like, boy, I brought you into this world, <laughs> you know? Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't think I would make it long in ministry if I preached like Jesus um, <laughs> for several reasons. Jesus changes topics, seemingly changes topics like this. Like there's not a, if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, it looks like it just goes one thing to another, to another, to another, to another. And really it's not like that. If you look a little bit deeper, which we're going to today, you'll get to see that it's not quite that jumpy. But it seems as if when Jesus talks, he gives you a few lines and then moves into the next one. Um, he changes, not only does he change topics often, but he sits when he preaches. That's a pretty common occurrence uh, for teachers during that time. They would sit, uh, especially in the synagogues, but on Sermon on the Mount, he would have been seated towards the top of the hillside, and the people would have been standing. Huh? Can y'all imagine standing up there at the sermon? You want to try that next week? Can we do that? Can we try it? No? Okay. <laughs> Somebody's like, mm, I don't think about that. Um, he was really controversial. Obviously, Jesus talked about things that very few people wanted and were willing to talk about, uh, and he made strong political statements. There's no doubt. He made strong political statements, and I point your attention uh, to Palm Sunday, with the entrance on the palms is exactly like any other uh, ruler would make their entrance into a city after a massive, uh, uh, literally after a massive military victory. <laughs> he just came walking in the city on the same type of atmosphere. So yes, he makes political statements. Um, and, uh, and I'll be honest with you, the controversy strong in these chapters are no different. These are hard. Um, these are hard chapters to hear sometimes. They're hard chapters to take. Uh, and, and today we're going to kind of tie into that. This is, uh, this is our continuation of our walk through the gospel according to Matthew, looking at the understanding through the very specific lens of hope. Not trying to read hope into scripture, but seeing that Matthew really pulls hope out. He's listening he, as he is uh, writing out and laying out the ministry of Jesus. It's really clear that he is trying to give hope to an incredibly hopeless world and a hopeless group of people who felt hopeless at the time uh, in the Jewish culture there. Uh, it is Jesus' longest uh, continual sermon 
that we get a chance to see. Jesus doesn't do a ton of public speaking, or at least a, a ton of public sermons. He does a lot of teaching time, but he doesn't do a lot of sermons, and this is the longest one. It would have been done on a hillside on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, so it would have been right, at the, right near the mouth of the Jordan River coming in from the north side of Galilee. Uh, and it would actually have been a Gentile side, which is really interesting too, so in that area right through there. Uh, so um, anyway, so but it's, it's a controversial sermon. Uh, and if you hear it in small chunks, like a lot of people tend to preach it, which is totally, I get it. As you go deeper, you can't look at a bigger chunk. It looks, it's really difficult. Um, and so if you listen to it in smaller chunks, it's one of those prime examples of it's really easy to miss the underlying current of the sermon. And so today, uh, we are going to, when you hear it, well, actually when you hear it read in full, uh, it, it makes it a lot more obvious. So I'm going to do a big, massive public speaking no-no, and I'm going to read the entire sermon at one time. Um, it's going to be, it feels, it's going to feel a little long, but I want you to hear the movement of the sermon because I think it's really important for us to catch those pieces. So the questions today are as they have been the last couple of weeks, the same questions that Nicole will be answering, uh, is very much so of what brought you hope in these chapters, what surprises you about Jesus's ministry, and what is the Holy Spirit telling you to do with those answers? Uh, and so, uh, Nicole will be coming up here in just a little bit to do that. And so I am, I'm very excited by that because I, I love, she is, she's always fun to have a conversation with in public because you never know what you're going to get. Box of chocolates back there. All right. Uh, so this is the Sermon of the Mount, contemporary English version. So this is a little bit different than what you're normally used to hearing. Uh, remember that this is uh, translated through paraphrase, not so much, uh, it's concept to concept, not so much line to line. Okay. Uh, so here we go. Sermon on the Mount. If you want to uh, close your eyes and listen hard, do so. Just don't fall asleep. Uh, if you want to uh, literally just kind of take it in and read along with me, that's great. It'll be a little different than the translations you're normally used to hearing. Um, so here it is, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, on the side of the mountain, and he sat down. Okay, here we are, sitting down. Jesus' disciples gathered around him, and he taught them. God blesses those people who depend only on him. They belong to the kingdom of heaven. God blesses those people who grieve. They will find comfort. God blesses those people who are humble. The earth will belong to them. God blesses those people who want to obey him more than to eat or drink. They will be given what they want. God blesses those people who are merciful. They will be treated with mercy. God blesses those people whose hearts are pure. They will see him. God blesses those people who make peace. They will be called his children. God blesses those people who are treated badly for doing right. They belong to the kingdom of heaven. And God will bless you when people insult you, mistreat you, and tell all kinds of evil lies about you because of me. Be happy and excited. Uh, I think the NIV says rejoice. You will have a great reward in heaven. Uh, people did these same things to the prophets who lived long ago. You are the salt for everyone on earth. But if salt no longer tastes like salt, how can it make food salty? All it is good for is to be thrown out and walked on. You are the light for the whole, uh, for the whole world. A city built on top of a hill cannot be hidden. And no one lights a lamp and puts it under a clay pot. Instead, it's placed on a lampstand where it can give light to everyone in the house. Make your light shine so others will see the good you do and will praise your Father in heaven. Don't suppose I came to do away with the law and the prophets? 
I did not come to do away with them, but to give them their full meaning. Heaven and earth may disappear, but I promise not even a period or a comma will ever disappear from the law. Everything written in it must happen. If you reject even the, last, uh, the least important command in the law and teach others to do the same, you will be the least important person in the kingdom of heaven. But if you obey and teach others its commands, you will have an important place in the kingdom. You're, uh, you must obey God's commands better than the Pharisees and the teachers of the law obey them. If you don't, I promise you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. You know your ancestors were told, do not murder, and a murder must be brought to trial. But I promise if you are angry with someone, you will have to stand trial. If you call someone a fool, you will be taken to court. And if you say that someone is worthless, you will be in danger of the fires of hell. So if you're about to place your gift on the altar and remember that someone is angry with you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Make peace with that person, then come back to offer your gift to God. Before you're dragged into court, make friends with the person who has accused you of doing wrong. If you don't, you'll be handed over to the judge and then the officer will put you, uh, and to the officer who will put you in jail. I promise you, you will not get out until you have paid the last cent you owe. You know the commandment which says be faithful in marriage, but I I tell you, if you look at another woman and want her, you are already unfaithful in your thoughts. If your right eye causes you to sin, poke it out and throw it away. It is better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to end up in hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, chop it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You have been taught that a man who divorces his wife must write out divorce papers for her. But I tell you not to divorce your wife unless she has committed some terrible sexual sin. If you divorce her, you will cause her to be unfaithful, just as any man who marries her is guilty of taking another man's wife. You know, our ancestors were told, don't use the Lord's name to make a promise unless you're going to keep it. But I tell you not to swear by anything when you make a promise. Heaven is God's throne. Don't swear by heaven. The earth is God's footstool. So don't swear by the earth. Jerusalem is the city of the great king. So don't swear by it either. Don't swear by your own head. You cannot make one, white, uh, one hair white or black. When you make a promise, say only yes or no. Anything else comes from the devil. Wow. You know, we have been taught an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to try to get even with a person who has done something to you. When someone slaps your right cheek, turn and let that person slap your other one. If someone sues you for your shirt, give up your coat as well. If a soldier forces you to carry his pack one kilometer, carry it two kilometers. And when people ask you for something, give it to them. And when they want to borrow money, lend it to them. You've heard people say, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for anyone who mistreats you. Then you'll be acting like your father in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both good and bad people. He sends rain for the ones who do right and for the ones who do wrong. If you love only those people who love you, 
Will, will God reward you for this? Even tax collectors love their friends. If you greet only your friends, what's so great about this? Don't even unbelievers do that? But you must always act like your Father in heaven. When you do good deeds, don't try to show off. If you do, you won't get a reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to the poor, don't blow a loud horn. That's what show-offs do in the synagogues and on the street corners because they're always looking for praise. I can assure you that they, have already, uh, that they already have their reward. And when, you give it to the poor, and when you give to the poor, don't let anyone know about it. Then your gift will be given in secret. Your Father knows what is done in secret and will reward you. When you pray, don't be like those show-offs who love to stand up and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners. They do this just to look good. I can assure you that they already have their reward. When you pray, go into a room alone and close the door. Pray to your father in private. He knows what is done in private and will reward you. Are y'all hearing it? Y'all hearing the pattern? It says, when you go into the... Oh, let's see, make sure I get this right. I'm sorry. Uh, when you pray, don't talk on and on as people who don't know God. They think God likes to hear long prayers. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need even before you ask. You should pray like this. Our father in heaven, help us to honor your name. Come and set up your kingdom so that everyone on earth will obey you as you are obeyed in heaven. Give us our food for today. Forgive us for doing wrong as we forgive others. Keep us from being tempted and protect us from evil. If you forgive others for the wrongs that they do to you, your Father in heaven will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you go without eating, don't try to look gloomy as those show-offs. Y'all catch that over and over again, right? Don't try to look gloomy as those show-offs do when they go, out, go without eating. I can assure you, that they already have their reward. Instead, comb your hair, wash your face, and then, others who, uh, and then others won't know you're going without eating. But your father sees what is done in private and he will reward you. Don't store up treasures on earth. Moss and rust can destroy them and thieves can break in and steal them. Instead, store up your treasures in heaven where moths uh, and rust cannot destroy them. And thieves cannot break in and steal them. Your heart will always be where your treasure is. Your eyes are a window for your body. And when they are good, you have all the light you need. And when your eyes are bad, everything is dark. And if the light inside of you uh, is dark, you surely are in the dark. You cannot be slave to two masters. You'll like one more than the other and be loyal to one more than the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I tell you not to worry about your life. Don't worry about having something to eat, drink, or wear. Isn't life more than food or clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't plant or harvest. They don't even store grain in barns. And yet your Father in heaven takes care of them. Aren't you worth much more than birds? Can worry make you live longer? Why worry about clothes? Look how the wildflowers grow. They don't work hard to make their clothes. But I tell you that Solomon, with all his wealth, wasn't as well clothed as one of them. God gives such beauty to everything that grows in the field, even though it is here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow. 
God will surely do even more for you. Why do you have such little faith? Don't worry and ask yourselves, will we have anything to eat? Will we have anything to drink? Will we have any clothes to wear? Only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. Your Father in heaven knows you need all of these. But more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. And then the other things will be yours as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. It'll take care of itself. You have enough to worry about today. And don't condemn others. And God won't condemn you. God will be as hard on you as you are on others. He will treat you exactly as you treat them. You can see the speck in your friend's eye, but you didn't notice the log in your own eye. Jesus does have sarcasm, people. (laughs) So how can you say, my friend, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you don't see the log in your own eye? You're nothing but show-offs. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you see how to take the speck out of your friend's eye. Don't give to dogs what belong to God. They will only turn and attack you. Don't throw pearls down in front of pigs. They will trample all over them. Ask, and you will receive. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. Everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who searches will find, and the door will be open for everyone who knocks. Would any of you give your hungry child a stone if the child asked for some bread? Would you give your child a snake if the child asked for a fish? And as bad as you are, you still know how to give good gifts to your children, but your heavenly Father is even more ready to give good things to people who ask. Treat others as you want them to treat you. This is what the law and the prophets are all about. Go in through the narrow gate. The gate to destruction is wide, and the road that leads there is easy to follow. A lot of people go through that gate. But the gate to life is very narrow. The road that leads there is so hard to follow that only a few people find it. And watch out for false prophets. They dress up like sheep. But inside, they are wolves who have come to attack you. They can tell what you are by what... I'm sorry, let me try that again. You can tell what they are by what they do. No one picks grapes or figs from thorn bushes. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Every tree producing bad fruit will be chopped down and burned. You can tell who the false prophets are by their deeds. In other words, by their fruits. Uh, I want Starship Enterprise as a transportation mode. I'm so sorry. All right. Not everyone who calls me their Lord will get into the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who obey my Father in heaven will get in. On the day of judgment, many will call me their Lord. They will say, we preached in your name, and in your name we forced out demons and worked many miracles. But I will tell them, I will have nothing to do with you. Get out of my sight, you evil people. Anyone who hears and obeys these teachings of mine is like a wise person who built a house on solid rock. Rain poured down, rivers flooded, Hurricane Delta comes flying in, and winds beat down against that house. But it was built on solid rock, and so it did not fail. Fall, it did not fall. 
Anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey them is like a foolish person who built a house on sand. Rain poured down, rivers flooded, the winds blew, beat against the house, and finally it fell with a crash. And when Jesus finished speaking, the crowds were surprised at his teaching. He taught them like someone with authority and not like their teachers of the law of Moses. Y'all, there was no real conclusion to that sermon. There's no real fine points of making sure that there's a beautiful introduction with one or two or three points and then this beautiful closure and it's done. There's none of that. So I want to do very briefly, let me point out some hope. There's so much to talk about in the sermon, but I'm going to do just very briefly three of them. I'm going to hit you three pieces of hope. First off, there's hope for the invisible. Jesus started with a list of people. He was like, look, blessed are these people. Blessed are those people. Blessed are these people. Listen, if you hear, it seems like it's completely random. It is not random. I honestly wholeheartedly believe that Jesus recognizes that there are crowds of people that are gathering around him. I know scripture says, and it's really interesting, but it said in this, right before chapter 5, as 4 is ending, it said he recognizes that people were coming from all over to listen to him. And then it said he sat down with his disciples. It's as if the crowd is getting to overhear the teaching of his disciples. Y'all with me? And so as he's doing this, what happens is, I swear to you, he's looking at different people in the crowd and he's saying, blessed are you. Blessed are you, and blessed are you. As he recognizes these people, listen, people who depend only on God, people who grieve, and you recognize that depend only on God is poor in spirit, right? That's how we normally hear it. Those who grieve are those who mourn. Humble, meaning the meek. Those who want to obey God more than they eat or drink? That is massive. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, as we normally hear that. Those who are merciful, those whose hearts are pure, those who make peace, or you know, blessed are the peacemakers. Those who treat, are treated badly for doing right. It's like he's looking around and taking account. You have a pure heart. You are grieving. You are beautifully humble. God bless you. Do you see what I mean? It's like he's looking at all the people who have literally been invisible to the mass of society for so long, and he's looking at them going, no, you're not invisible. You're not invisible. You're not invisible. You're not invisible. I see you. And God sees you. He's giving hope to the invisible. And here's the last one too. That last one is, is those who are uh, literally happy and excited because of persecution. It's a little bit different than the one, blessed are those who are persecuted. And then it's blessed are those who are happy and excited for being persecuted. Let me, hear the, let me help you hear the difference. Happy and excited for being persecuted. They're not happy about the persecution. It's not like they're going, yes, I get pain. It's not like that. What he's saying is, welcome to the club. You're happy and excited because you have now joined the long list of prophets who have all been treated exactly the same way. That means you are a messenger of God. Here's what that does not mean. That does not mean go and be an obnoxious Christian just to be persecuted, just to be able to go, look, being persecuted, being persecuted, y'all, being persecuted. <laughs> Don't do that. The other thing it doesn't mean is to go out into the world, and forgive me, I'm going to be a slight bit judgmental, do not go out into the world with such terrible theology that when you are out there spreading theology and people look at you and go, you're not right. That is not persecution. That is correction. 
And hopefully it's done in love and not complete frustration, anger, and all the other stuff that can come along with that. So when you're happy and excited uh, about persecution, it's not because of the act of persecution. It's because you're joining a remarkable crowd of people. You see, most of the time in those, in those times, it was the wealthy, the successful, the shrewd, the religious that everybody thought were blessed by God. And you go, wait a minute, how do you even get that? Well, think back to the rich young ruler. And he says to him, hey, you only lack one thing to get into heaven. Just give, just give everything to the poor and then come follow me. And he walked away sad. And he said, and this again, if you think that Jesus doesn't have sarcasm, he's like, man, it's hard for the rich to get into heaven. It's like, it's like taking that camel right there. And put it through the eye of this needle. <laughs> it's like, that's what it's like. And then the, if you caught this, like in that passage, the disciples were astonished. Well, then who gets into heaven? Literally, that's the question they asked. They said, who then can be saved? And then he says, not even the Pharisees. And they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> are you telling me the wealthy doesn't get in? And the Pharisees are like the religious folks. Like they have devoted their lives to God. And you're telling me that they don't get in heaven? So like they viewed success from those realms. Um, and Jesus is basically rewording and re-challenging. He's challenged how they uh, understand God's blessing. And as Jesus is looking out and he sees these people, he's giving hope to those who are invisible, who normally know that they are not viewed as successful by the world. They are not raised on a pedestal and looked at and honored because of their humble heart. Remember, nice guys finish last, right? It's kind of that same mentality. And Jesus is like, oh, you finished better than that. God sees you. He's like, I see you. The second piece of hope that I want you to catch uh, is literally that we are to be the hope. In the very next section, right after the blessed are those, he comes in and says, by the way, you're the salt of the world. <laughs> what? <laughs> so immediately he throws out there, the plan of God is for you to go be the hope. He said, so what's, what's the point if the saltiness loses salt? He's like, just go. Go and be hope to the world. The plan was there from the very beginning. If you look back in Genesis 12, you can see that God is like, Abram, you are going to be the one that is going to bring me to the nations. You are going to be the one that you're going you're to be the example that everybody sees, and the nations will come flocking to you to learn about me. He's like, you, we want you to do that. And obviously, as we read the Old Testament and the rest of the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, it's a struggle for Israel to make that happen, and rightfully so. I get it. Uh, definitely not dogging that. It didn't quite turn out the way they wanted. But Jesus then turns in and flips it upside down, right? He says, and not yet, of course, this is Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples. Therefore go. So in other words, he's like, go and be salty. He's giving you a foreshadowing. I want you to be the bearers of hope. I want you to take the hope out there. Um, and, uh, and he literally trained and sent out those disciples, right? Salt of the earth, light of the world. And the purpose of all of this, and here's where the hope comes from, is the purpose is literally to point to our Father in heaven. He says, you go and do your good deeds, and that will all point to your Father in heaven. And then I'm going to fast forward to this last hope, to the, literally the very end of the sermon. Y'all, there's a massive transition that takes place in verse 13. And if I am good enough, then technology will be kind enough. Let me see if it'll get there. It may not. But if you'll notice, he's talking about being generous. And he's, and he's uh, on the very first of chapter 7, he's talking about being generous. Don't judge others. In other words, have grace. Seek and you will find. There's a lot of generosity in this. And he says at the end, he goes, okay, now go in through the narrow gate. It's like, what? There's a shift that takes place there. 
This is what, in modern terms, we would call going to the invitation. (laughs) This is his altar call. When he starts talking about the narrow gate, he literally, at this point, um, and I'm sorry, the generosity before, too, was talking about the giving of gifts, too. So he's got this generosity thing going on. But then at the end, he's saying, go through the narrow gate. And all of these people are going through this wide gate over here, and it's really hard to find this one here. But if you've ever watched the movie Dumb and Dumber, it's probably one of my funny, it's probably one of the funniest scenes ever. And they're like, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> and that's what Jesus is saying. He said, the gate's narrow, it's really difficult to find, but it's not impossible. And he says, the possibility comes through me. It comes through me. So, therefore, don't follow the false teachers. They're going to lead you astray. Don't follow false disciples who are out there thinking they're doing all this stuff in my name. They're going to lead you astray. And he finishes with this. You follow and remember, you follow me and you remember my teachings. And if you remember all of this that I have just stated to you, you will be the ones who will literally have a foundation that will get you into heaven. The hope and the hope for this whole series is found in Jesus. And he lays it out at the end of the sermon and he transitions into the altar call, which always makes me giggle that Jesus has something of an invitation altar call, right? But now, that's just my perspective. That's where I'm at. So, Nicole, I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm inviting at this point. I apologize. Yes, yes. So, please, come. Come. I, I encourage you to come and sit and bring your chair. Um, so, but these are things that I found. Look, there's so much more uh, in the Sermon of the Mount. Uh, and because, by the way, I'm, you're going to watch me remask back up, and I'll tell you why here in just a second. But there's so much more in the Sermon of the Mount. But I hope and I pray that you can catch those things. That he looks at them early on and says... For those of you who are invisible, I see you. Uh, and I not only see you, but I need you to be the salt of the world. And then if y'all will follow me, I will help you get there. It's a pretty common, and it's a pretty simple sermon. And everything he does is countercultural. So, Nicole works at St. Jude, and we want her to be able to keep her job. So, just in case, <laughs> I am going to mask up. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah. And then let me, let me stick my microphone back outside the mask so it makes it sound better. Okay. So, we have talked about now hope. Welcome, by the way. I'm sorry. I, I'm a terrible like, talk show host, uh, by the way, if you don't know this about me. But um, anyway, I, I am thankful tell you're here. Uh, tell me more. Uh, I, I am very thankful you're here. I always love having these conversations with you. Um, you did such a remarkable job helping us understand that wrestling between science and faith a couple of summers ago. Um, and so it feels like, it really feels like a decade ago. I swear to goodness it does. I almost forget that that series ever happened because this last 10 months has been so crazy. So anyway, so remind us, by the way, of what you do, because this, I love, like I said, this is, I love being able to call you a scientist. That's so fun. Hey. Um, so yeah, so I'm a PhD candidate, which means I'm basically just in like the long stretch of my, uh, PhD years, and if anyone asks me when I'm going to graduate, I know the Bible says don't. I'm not not to murder, but it may happen. <laughs> um, because honestly, we never know when we're going to graduate. Right. Um, but basically, I really I work uh, mostly infectious diseases, and I huh. isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I work with bacteria, um, and mostly just trying to find new antibiotics. That's really cool, yeah. by the way. Uh, she came in one day, started talking about uh, amino acids, and I was like, ooh, this is fun. Um, all right, anyway, so where is it? Sorry. So, Nicole, tell me, where is it that you found hope 
uh, in these chapters? Um, so let me just start. I, when I started reading this, and full disclosure, I definitely read it yesterday. Um, I <laughs> Make the brother feel real good. Another preacher joke coming right at you. There it is. Yeah. Um, I started reading it through, um, because my horse is finally healthy. Uh, Leia. I, she isn't, yeah, Leia is finally healthy. Uh, she's in boot camp. So I came at it with this like horse trainer, um, lens. Cause I had yep. just gotten back from the barn. Um, and as I was reading it, I was like, wow, there's a lot of teaching in this. And the first <sighs> thing that jumped out at it, at me was that, um, there's a lot of hope and the idea that uh, blessed are this, blessed is that. Um, and it, as I was reading, I was like, tell me more, right? Yeah, it was just yeah. like, and then, and then, and then, right? So um, a lot of the hope came from that very first part where it's blessed is this person. So it's really nice to see that no matter what we are going through and what is happening, that we should have hope that God still wants us and yeah. that there is still heaven waiting for us. And right now, that is so important. Um, these last 10 months, I know, have been super hard for everyone, um, wrestling with the idea of relationships with other people, with yourself, and even with God. Most of us have been super isolated from other people. I know I have because I live alone. So seeing that, um, but then reading through these chapters was really nice to see that I do have somebody waiting and who wants me to come back to him um, and wants to envelop me in this hug of just love and care. Oh, um, I love that, that imagery, been, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that we've been really missing, um, especially in this kind of culture that we're living in right now, whether you're dealing with people you know who have gotten sick from COVID, whether it's mild symptoms or crazy, insane symptoms, or the political setting that we're in, struggling, wrestling with that, not understanding how you think you know somebody, but then something happens and you don't understand that, or even just like wrestling with your own mental health, yeah. um, because we've all been affected by that. And it was just really nice to see right there in the first, I don't know, four lines, it was like, I am here for you. If you need my hand, please grab it. And I want you to. He does a really good job of bringing that encouragement out on the front end. Like, and that's the stuff that draws us in. It's like, oh my gosh, he's not dogging us. Usually when uh, you know, preachers, teachers can sometimes have this ability to just like, it comes at you and almost yeah. like a downward motion and, and you're being attacked and you're telling, mm -hmm. being told how you're wrong. And he's looking at these people who are literally invisible and helpless in a lot of ways. Not all of them, yeah. but pure and hard are not like helpless, but they're invisible. Yeah, and, and to be told that they're seen, like wow. And and it was really nice to say, see, like it doesn't matter how far you went, you can always come back. And I know I yeah. struggle with that a lot, especially living in the scientific wor world. Um, it's really easy to just kind of like stray away from your faith, um, just because hey, you're surrounded by people who don't necessarily believe. And a lot of those people uh, fell out of the church. They were in the church, and their church sure. told them that. Science is like, you're not allowed to be a scientist if you believe and in believing. God. And it's, and it's so hard. And I get so frustrated because you can, but they've been told for so long that they're not allowed to do that. Right. And it's just real. So it doesn't surprise me, by the way, that you catch on to that first part. Uh, for those of you who don't know, she is, um, 
she's our local missions person. She's the one who we look at and go, hey, help us with local missions. Help us to organize that. And so I know that you have a heart for those who are already on the fringes, who are already invisible, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's, a, that's a big deal. Uh, so tell me this, what, uh, what surprised you? What actually surprised you about uh, Jesus' ministry in those chapters? That he sits teaching down. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> or he teaches sitting down. I think I said that backwards, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so I love that yeah. um, because it makes people around you feel equal. Yes. Like when you're standing over someone and you don't even mean to, but them, them looking up to you is just like, Oh, you're more than me. It makes people feel really uncomfortable. Um, And as a scientist, I go to a lot of talks from people, and I'm surrounded by people who are so much smarter than me that when sometimes it's so intimidating when they're standing up speaking to you about different things, um, and you don't want to ask questions because you're afraid of being embarrassed or asking a trivial question. Um, but the idea of sitting down while you're teaching makes people feel so much more comfortable with you. Um, and it's less intimidating to ask questions. So just because um, something is super trivial to a teacher doesn't necessarily mean it's trivial to you. And so it's really important to have those sure. connections where um, the teacher makes the student feel like, that they have been there before, and that even if it is a trivial question with a simple answer, the student doesn't understand and they have that ability to um, teach them and give them that answer. And recently, I've been doing a lot, because I live alone, I'm doing a lot of like self-awareness. Um, and this is something that I Tell me about that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell me more. Um, you need a stool you can put food on? The joke, the joke about this is that I don't like to uh, deal with my own feelings. So having to live alone for 10 months made me deal with a lot of that. Uh, <laughs> um, something that I've realized, um, not having good teachers in the past. Now I have an awesome boss and an awesome teacher. But before coming into this, I didn't have great teachers. Um, and it made me feel like, and even to this day, that being a graduate student makes me feel like I have imposter syndrome. Hmm. Like I'm not good enough to be there oh, yeah. and okay. not smart enough to be there because I am surrounded by all these people that are so freaking smart, right? And nice. here I am, I'm just like this little person who doesn't know anything. And if you understand science, the more you know, the less you know. <laughs> like, um, like theology. Yeah. yeah. It's, and having a good teacher now has made me feel less that way. That's but great. there are still days where I'm like, I'm not good enough. So uh, this is, I, and I really appreciate you point that out. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be a little self-serving here for just That's a moment. Fine. This is the reason why we don't have stages in our church. This is why we don't have a lift for the band or a lift for me when we teach. This is one of the reasons why I don't wear a robe. Mm-hmm. This is the reason why I wear chacos. And today I'm in big boy shoes, you know, whatever. You uh, but uh, <laughs> everybody's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is one of the reasons why. Um, we don't do the big light show. That's why I'd, anytime I ever went on a youth retreat, if I had the opportunity to get off a stage and down among the students, mm-hmm. I was always on the floor. It's just for that reason. It's to say, hey, I'm with you. I'm not over you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate you pointing that out. That's a big deal because that's something that I don't, I don't blast that out and tell everybody here. We never, we never teach that in our worship circles around here, and that's not something that's ever taught in seminary, of course. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but it's something that I've always been convicted about from a long time ago. And I thought, you know what, if we ever get the opportunity to do this, I'm always going to make sure I'm literally with people and nothing over people. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. What is it the Holy Spirit is telling you to do with all the stuff you just listed off? And I'm sure there's more. Hold on. I ha- <laughs> so like my scientist brain, I had to write things down as I was uh, reading. So um, actually, I had like a whole page on my laptop that I thought that bringing my laptop up here would be not. You could have brought your laptop. Wow. It takes up the whole thing. It's okay. Okay. So, um, so for me, uh, this, these chapters kind of brought out this, it's not okay to just speak Bible verses at people. Um, like you can't just go into a conversation and trying to reach out to people and have relationships with them. Just speaking Bible verses at them that they've probably already heard a million times before, but actually building that relationship. Um, so, which, is, which is why I read the sermon in its entirety. Yeah. It's to get us out of the groove of stuff we've always heard before, right? We've heard it done in certain ways. So anyway, continue. Thank you for that. No, it's fine because that's actually a good uh, point because I feel like Matthew is one of those. And this chap- these chapters specifically... I feel like the, these chapters are very um, cherry-picked yes. for the yeah. verses that people want to use, right? Yes. And But it's really sad because if you go and read the whole chapter, it's I like to call it like this, I guess, it's not really a compliment sandwich. It's more of a hope sandwich. It's like, here's all this hope, but don't do this because yeah. if you do this, you're going to, ha- like, basically, yeah. right? And then it's like, but also... You can do these and be rewarded, right? right? It's like a sandwich. So in the sandwich, I kind of skipped through because some of the laws I actually struggle with personally. Sure. Um, so, But that's right, though. You, you're getting Jesus' method down. Like he's yeah. showing you, like you said, it's like a hope sandwich, right? Yeah. And then at the end, it's just, it's follow me. And the sandwich has a plate to be sat upon. You know, <laughs> like it's, um, it's good. Yeah, it's good. That's really good. Yeah. Okay. So I also really realize that um, I need to, I already try to live like Jesus and just try to be everyone's friend and try to be the most genuine person I can be, even though sometimes as like a person who doesn't know how to sugarcoat anything, I can come off really mean or really rude. And I really like having these conversations. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And if you call me out on it, I'm like, oh, I'll apologize because I don't really notice when I'm being that way. Um, But it made me realize when he was talking about like the saltiness, um, I take it more as he gave you your own personality for your own gift. And I felt like he was that in that moment it was saying, you need to continue being yourself. Don't try to hold back who you actually are just to make people like you because you want to bring them in, but actually be yourself and be more open to people coming into your life and understanding that you are the type of person who's going to speak your mind. And that will bring relationships to me yeah. And then I can help them in whatever way they need. And I guess the point is discipleship. Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> um, discipleship. Yeah. And I, and I guess that's my calling too, though, um, as the missions person. I really love reaching out to people and trying to build relationships and really understanding what those people are going through and how I can be a good person and a good friend or a good person to talk to for that person. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Thank you.
by the way. Y'all show some love. You can stay. Stay, stay here for just a second. I want you to catch, yeah, y'all go, come on to you. I want you to catch this in the end. What Jesus' sermon did from top to bottom, all the way through, was countercultural. Mm-hmm. Every bit of it. Uh, if you listen to what he says, if you, if you read what he's doing and you read it in its entirety, you will see that everything he says is completely opposite than what you've experienced in life and the way the world teaches us to live. It is completely countercultural. That was the thing that got me. Mm-hmm. So let's live that way, yeah. right? As believers, we are to live that way. And so that's my encouragement to you uh, today. Walk out of here being countercultural. Don't be obnoxious, but be countercultural. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. A couple quick announcements and we're out. Uh, We are going to be worshiping outdoors next week. As of right now, there is no hurricane on the way. So it's supposed to be sunshine and beautiful. And I hope I didn't just ruin the perfect game uh, by talking about it in the sixth inning. But the bottom line is we've um, we've we've got beautiful weather for next week. So 1030 on Sunday outdoors. Bring a tent, bring a chair. If you want to do tents, you don't have to. It's probably going to be gorgeous. Uh, and then, <laughs> please, Lord, <laughs> be gorgeous. Uh, and then chairs, bring a chair. Uh, we are going ahead and we are working towards reopening. In fact, uh, with a lot of help from Nicole and the work that she's done, we're going to be reopening on November the 1st. So that's going to be, so next Sunday's the 17th and we'll have two more Sundays and we're going to reopen. It's going to take us that long to get the guidelines right, to get everything ready, get the building prepared. Uh, what we're going to be doing, I'm going to send out a, ve- a letter next week, early next week. I'm going to send a video out explaining it as well. And then I want you all to share it all over just so everybody can see, hey, we're coming back in. Um, so the idea is we're going to try to split it by last names. And we're going to have a 9 o'clock and a 1030. And we're going to have a lot of things marked out in here. Um, this does not, this does not negate our house churches. There is a high population in our church that still do not want right now to come in and have a little bit of a fear to come into uh, in-person worship at any larger gathering, right? Because she's like, look, I'd like to keep my job, really, seriously. And so, so the idea that you will hear more about that uh, over, the next, uh, over the next few weeks. We also have the charge conference coming up. And as of right now, it is, on, uh, it is 6.30 on the night of November the 3rd. Then it hit me this morning that it's voting day. So therefore, we may shift that to the 10th. I'm going to let the DS know if we're going to shift that. But, uh, but the idea is we have a charge conference coming up in the next four weeks or so, uh, which is our annual church meeting that says, hey, here's the business of the church. Here are our leadership, and here's how we're going to get this rolling. Uh, so know that that's coming up as well. Benediction comes from Matthew 12, 21. And, uh, and it says, in the name of Jesus, the nations will put their hope. And I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for your time. I, I love it. Um, I love having these conversations with Nicole. She's so real. Um, so we're going to do the same thing we did last week. I love, for whatever reason, Raise a Hallelujah has been on my heart uh, this week. And so we're going to, you can, you know, I'm going to, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. And then if you want to, uh, if you want to stick around and hear the chorus of this song, do so. You're welcome to go at that point. Um, this is me being selfish and asking them to play this, <laughs> is what this is. Executive privilege of the pastor, I think is what we call this. So, uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, leave knowing that you have hope, you are not invisible, and you can be the hope in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, hallelujah.
Louder than 